Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. And boy, have we got an engaging conversation today, I do have to say. Um, I'm very excited about our guest today because, you know, Halloween is coming up this weekend. And so this is going to be a... um, an ode to Halloween, we'll call it. And uh, our, our our guest today, his name is Jerry Roth. He's an author, and he's got a book that just came out this week, and it's called Throwing Shadows, a dark collection. And we're going to talk to him for the entire hour. I'm hoping if you want to uh, tune in and you want to comment, you're welcome to do that. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to him because he is uh, quite a writer, and, um, and we're going to talk about all that. Jerry, how are you? Great. Thank you for having me, Kevin. I'm excited. This is, uh, I've been, I've been waiting to do the show all week, so uh, I'm ready. Well, you're, you're, you have been like doing a bunch of podcasts because right. as you know, <laughs> in order to market your book and to get right. it out, you've got to talk to a bunch of folks. And, and so, so, yeah, my book came out Tuesday, so I saved the best for last. So I got you now. So, oh, you, oh, you're so kind. <laughs> But by the way, if you want to comment uh, again, you can you can uh, just put a comment into the comment box and then I'll show it to Jerry. And if you got a question or you got uh, something you'd like to say about one of the other books he's written, because it's, he's not a virgin writer of sorts. He's been doing this for a while. Uh, by the way, what got you into writing in the first place? You know, when I was a kid, I I just loved to tell stories. I I remember when I was a small kid, I wanted to be the first thing I remember, even as a small age, is wanting to be a talk show host, kind of like yourself. Oh, very I, good. I wanted to be Johnny Carson. That was the big thing when I was a little kid. And I get my tape recorder out, and I would get all my friends lined up and do interviews with them. Um, so, but you know, I had to use my imagination, you know, somebody was Madonna at one point, somebody was, you know, maybe Michael Jackson. I don't know who, who was big back then. And I would, uh, come up with a script on the spot of what I'd ask him, what I talked to him about. And that was kind of my first introduction to like storytelling. I was like, oh, I can, you know, I can enthrall somebody. I can, you know, get their attention. And then I'd make the tape and I'd make, of course, make all my friends and family listen to it for hours on end of me endlessly being a talk show host. So that was kind of my foray into, into wanting to be a writer. Have you thought about doing more talk shows and being like having a, uh, a, a podcast about, about uh, um, the dark things and, and stuff like that and, and horror writing and that sort of thing? You know, um, I'm going to leave it to the good people like you guys who are good at doing a podcast. I'm better as a guest than I am ever be a host. I feel like uh um, my talent would be wasted there. It's like, I don't know, but you, you, you do a better job than I would. Well, I thank you very much for that. And, and, uh, it's, it's fun to talk to you because, you know, positive talk radio, we generally talk about, you know, positive things and that sort of thing. And we're and we, by gum, we're going to make this a positive expression because we're going to talk a lot about you and how you got into, uh, this type of writing and, and also the fact that, it's not you don't do it you know you do it more in a way of like dark shadows and right and uh and has some real meat to it rather than the slasher movies where you know that sort of thing right yeah i I think a lot of my books no matter what i'm writing or what genre i'm writing i still like to have the characters fleshed out and have a real have a real center to them to be real people 
um, you know, this, the book that I wrote now, it definitely is kind of a throwback and has a vibe of, I mean, it tells from the crypt or dark side and it has horror elements, but there's, uh, there's characters that live and breathe within the pages. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring to a book. And it's not that the people aren't doing it now, but I felt I wanted to bring something nostalgic back. I was a kid of the eighties and nineties. So, you know, th that was the kind of horror that I grew up with. You know, I didn't, you know, we had, of course we had the Friday the 13th movies and all those slasher films, but you know, those were like, you know, going to a haunted house or roller coasters. They were like exhilaration for that moment, but they, you know, they didn't really stay, stay with you a long time. And I wanted to like something in my books to actually kind of rest with you a while. When you put it down, uh, you kind of remember it and you kind of think about it and you say, Oh, that story, you know, that was disturbing, but it maybe it meant something to me. More in the style of like a Stephen King. Absolutely. He, you know, I say this in every interview, so hopefully he maybe he donates to a fund of mine or something, but he, he is uh he was my idol. He's somebody, uh, he was the first horror writer that I picked up his book, you know, as a paperback, you know, so many years ago, I'd go to, a, there's a local paperback and, you know, when you're a young teenager, you, you know, pocket money is, you know, it doesn't happen too easily. And they were like a quarter of a book. And I would, I'd come out of there with handfuls of, of Stephen King and Dean Arcoon's books and, and I would devour them. And he kind of, I cut my teeth on his writing and he kind of showed me that, you know, you could make a living as a writer and it's not all bad. You know, there are some positives to bring out of uh, horror writing. You know, there, there are, are lessons to be learned, even in scary or dark, dark, uh, dark books. I wouldn't even necessarily call your writing uh, even horror writing. I know it's a category that you're in, but yeah. it is it is a fully invested story about right. what happens to people and and um, some negative things happen to people sometimes. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there are nine different stories in there are all short and they have their own little setting and scene. And, you know, there are some horrific things that happen, some bad things, nothing like, you know, crazy or R-rated, but there are some some horrible things that happen to people. But I think that what I've tried to instill in the book is that, you know, that you need to go beyond the fear. A lot of the characters have to, they have something they have to accomplish. There's something that they're faced with, a challenge that's scary or frightening. And, um, you know, no matter if they fail or if they succeed, they overcome their fear and they accomplish at least that. And I think that's what I'm trying to bring, you know, to the horror genre. See, and, and that is the positive angle that you're bringing to it rather than, because, you know, I, in the in the 80s and 90s, I used right. to watch Halloween, Halloween 27, sure. Halloween 35, you know, whatever it yeah. was, Friday the 13th. And right. You get tired of yeah. the same slasher kind of, don't go in the woods, kids. That's probably not a good idea. Have you, have you seen that commercial that they have yes. out there now? That is great. That is great. And, you know, there, there, there are tropes there for a reason. You know, I think that, you know, the the, the girl falling down right before she gets away, you know, those things that bring the tension, they're easy. They're easy tension grabbers. And I think that's why, you know, people, they, they cling to those. They love them, you know, in the same way they probably love, you know, um, a pizza, you know, something, something familiar to them. Um, you know, but uh, so I I can't say anything bad about him because I grew up with all those horror films and I like them. Um, 
but when it comes to books, I, I, I want a little bit more substance to them. Even if it's something, you know, like a short story of mine, I want to try to, you know, let people walk away with a feeling of something a little bit more than just a scare. So you have to ask me one of the biggest burning questions out there, and that is, why is it always the girl that falls down? <laughs> I guess it's the old damsel in distress. You know, you know, you want to, you want to, you want, that's the person that you want to save. If you're a man, you want to save the woman. And, and, and I guess, you know, it used to be in the old days, if you were a woman, that's who you want to save you. You know, I think that the, 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 the landscape is changing now. I don't think that it's so cut and dry about who saves who and who's the hero. So things of, Things have taken a turn. I think that's kind of what I've done in my book. Like half of the, the narratives in my short story are uh, protagonists that are women that are strong and they're capable and they're trying their best to, you know, succeed in something scary. I'll tell you, those are the ones that are the scariest to me right. are, are the ones where the person that you don't expect it at all is mm -hmm. the one that is either deranged or they've got a problem you know whatever it is and right. however you work that out in the story but absolutely uh, you know but it's 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 an art form and mm -hmm. it you know because if it's if it's done properly right especially in when you're writing mm -hmm. um it's difficult to write it in a way that you're putting a picture in people's minds right and you're being very colorful with uh the language and and stuff like that where did you learn to be able to write so that people could actually kind of, you know, like see the movie in your head. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, that's an interesting story because I didn't start, I mean, I have always wanted to be a writer since I was a, a child, you know, my parents would read to me every night. So I kind of, I got that from them luckily. Um, but when I, when I started writing professionally, I started writing screenplays. That's where I cut my teeth on writing movies. So with movies, you have to get your point across with, the most minimal of words, you know, you only have 110 pages to, to fill a whole movie screen. So you have to be, you know, very selective with your words. And, and, you know, and when I switched over to writing novels, I mean, I was in heaven. I was able to use as many words as I want. And I even had to cut back on some of my editors were like, you know, you can't, you're, you're being too flourishy with your words here, you know, less is more. And so, um, yeah, I had to actually rein it in a bit because I, you know, I was under the constraints of, of screenwriting for so many years that I, I was excited that I could actually, you know, kind of put description to things and, and put an atmosphere to things. So did you ever write uh, a, a screenplay that we might that got turned into a movie that we might recognize? You know, I there was a chance it could have. There, there, there was a script that I actually won. Uh, a bunch of screenwriting awards and somebody optioned to make. Um, but I was a young writer, to be honest with you, and they wanted to make too many changes to it. And I just couldn't do it. I mean, now I'm a, I'm a different person. I can, I can understand the collaborative effort it takes to write books and to, uh, to make movies. But at that, at that young age, you know, and I feel like, you know, I had success. I'm, I'm winning screen awards here. Why do I, why would I want to give up anything? And so I said, that's kind of the reason why I kind of put the screenplays aside and kind of did uh, novels because it was for me. And, you know, I could write something, put it in a drawer and, you know, and revisit it if I want to. Well, you know, that uh, reminds me of the story of Sylvester Stallone. Right. And Rocky. Exactly. He, he, he took the same 
attacked as you did, which yeah. was no way. This is my story, yeah. and you're not going to mess with it, man. Right. Well, see, he he wanted to. I think really the the one of the from what I hear is he wanted to actually direct. So that was his mm. his you know that was his dream. I was a little, I was even worse. I should have said, you know what? Here it is. I'm not you know do what you want with it because they're going to anyways. I mean, basically, when you're a screenwriter, you write for the movie, but it's the director's vision anyway. So he's going to rewrite it and change it and do anything. And I didn't know any better. So I guess I could have had a movie out there at this point, but it, you know, you live and you learn. Well, you're a young man. You've got lots of time to come up with uh, <laughs> that particular one, but, but now you've turned to novels right. and, and you like that genre. You know, it's interesting. I was, uh, I did a, a interview with a 14 year old girl. Shanti. And, oh, <laughs> you know her. Yes, of course, Shanti uh, uh, Hershenson, right? Yep. Yeah, Shanti Hershenson. Fourteen I, I, years old, sixteen novels. It's it's amazing. She can write. We were talking about this. Yeah. She can write a thousand words an hour. Is that a lot? I mean, uh, that is incredible. I will say though that she doesn't have a full time job, so she has more <laughs> time than the rest of us. You know, I feel absolutely lazy if I was in the same room as her. But, um, you know, she doesn't at this point, she doesn't have any kids to deal with and the house and family. So I say good for her. I hope she writes, you know, 16 more. Now, I want to ask you, because there are there's somebody in our audience that is going to is sitting there going, you know, I can be a writer. I know right. I can be a writer. I want to be a writer. <laughs> but I have no idea how I have no right. idea how to begin. How would you how would you suggest somebody that is starting to learn to write? how to accomplish it. Well, I always tell there are two kinds of people that write and one is a pantser, which means they just stream of consciousness. They write whatever they would think and they put it on the page. And then there's the planners and they, they would put a structure to everything. And before they even write one word, they know exactly where their story is going. And I always think, you know, and, and it used to be a, a bad word to be a pantser, you know, until like somebody like Stephen King came around. And I always tell young writers, I said, don't worry about what's on the page. Don't worry about the grammar. Don't worry about anything except just let it come out of your mind, right? To put it down on the paper. And you'll find at the end of the day, you've accomplished something. And it might not even be that great. But you know what? Every day that you do that, pretty soon your skills are going to build up, whether you like it or not. You know, and she, and she was saying that, and is this true for you as well, mm -hmm. that she would start a novel and not know what it was, where it was going to go or how it was going to be because the characters were evolving during the course of her writing the novel. Is that how it works for you? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's not a hundred percent. I was like, I was saying uh, to a friend of mine is that a lot of times I won't start a novel until I know the ending because that's what everybody gets wrong. You know, they don't have a good ending. They don't know where they're heading to. So I always like to, if I have a great ending or a good twist or something that I know, man, that's, that's all I need to get going and get started. But I will say that my, my, one of my last books that I did, I did that and I started writing and halfway through it, I changed the course of where that book was going. The ending was gone. I was like, you know, an open water and I had to figure out, you know, I started treading for my life and figure out where that book was going. And then, and then you know what? It was a happy surprise, and, and it turned it out. I think it's really one of my best books, so I'm happy that he did it. How many have you written now? Um, I have written, I've probably written 
uh, probably about six or seven, but I've only published three. So I'm kind of deciding, you know, I'm trying to pick my career choices wisely and slowly. You know, sometimes they always say it's better to have written stuff in the drawer, kind of like a nest egg, than it is to kind of throw it all out there. I know that there are a lot of writers now, especially with, uh, you know, how Amazon is great about you can publish your own book. Right. And, and there are people who can honestly put out a book a month. And I'm talking a full length novel in a month. And, and you know, I, I think if you build that muscle up, you can pop, probably do it and be successful at it. But I, I like to like kind of let my my work think uh, think about my work wake up in the morning feel like to see how's the scene going i change things around if i move that fast i just don't feel like i'd be able to keep the same quality at least for myself well and because you've got a plan for it and you've got to think about how it's going to play out right i can't you know i can't say that must be a real gift to have this movie floating around in your head and then you have the gift to be able to write it down in some sort of logical order. Right. Well, it is a, it is a gift and it's a curse because there are times when I have three books going around in my mind um, and a scene will come up of another book that I haven't even started yet. And I'm like, what is going on here? I got enough to think about than three books at once. So, um, yeah, it's tough to be a writer just because, you know. There are, there are writers that have no problem. They're, if their book is not going or they have an even better idea, they'll put it aside and they'll start the new book. But I I can't bring myself to do it. I feel like if I start a new book, that other that other book kind of goes into the distant past and then it becomes like somebody else wrote it. And I don't I can't really connect anymore. Now, I got to ask you, because I'm I'm firmly I firmly believe this is that. Right. Like musicians do it, songwriters do it, right. authors do it, that you are being given the inspiration to write the words and to, and to come up with the story. Does that is that how it works for you? Is it just does it just kind of appear or did, is it like a lot of hard work for you to get it done? You know, I mean, the, the kernel of an idea is something that you can never explain. You could be watching TV or cutting the grass, doing dishes, and that idea is just going to come to you. So you can't force that. You know, that's kind of the gold mine. They, when that comes, now the rest of the stuff is you putting in the work. So the ideas usually are, they come from somewhere in the ether that we have no ideas. At least I don't. And do they always, now you write, you write a lot of uh, horror stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's not really we got to come up with a better title for well, that. I wrote three books, and this one is more of a vintage feel kind of horror. My sec, my my last book that I wrote is a thriller, kind of like a mystery thriller. And my first book, I would say, is more in the his the mystery horror. It's got some gory parts, so it's pretty scary, and it's got some 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 rough scenes, just because it's like really hardcore horror. But I always still wanted to have characters in there and a mystery that you have to kind of figure out as you go. What is the best kind of writing to do horror? Is it is it if you if you're real explicit, or is it if you leave it to the uh, reader's imagination a lot of times? See, that's always the taste of the reader, and, and it always changes and comes and goes. Because um, I'm you know I'm in a lot of groups, and I'm on obviously social media, and I listen to other writers and and what they like, and especially readers. You know, there there is a growing number of really hardcore 
you know, writers of horror that they want, they want them to have all the grotesque parts. They want body horror. They want um, things visually that are, that are frightening, you know, to even con, you know, as a concept. So I think things are kind of moving that direction. It's, there are obviously there are writers that, that are kind of more like me that, that want to put suspense in there that like twists and turns and keep the readers guessing. I feel like, you know, if you're on a journey with me, I want to kind of uh, like a roller coaster. I want to swing you around and knock you left and right and make you kind of question some of the early scenes. That's kind of fun for me. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, when Spielberg did Jaws. That, right. that, that was a that was a horror movie to be sure because it was right. very gory, but but it it also had the popcorn scenes. Yeah. Where I, I, the first time I saw Jaws, I was in a drive-in. Oh and, wow! And I could see the cars in front of me, of course, uh -huh. and um, and then when there was a particularly scary scene, that they were where they were were going to a sunken ship, right. and then this head pops out. Head pops out. That was a popcorn thrower. You can see and hear people's popcorn going right. up in the air in all the cars <laughs> and stuff. Well, That's you know, I, it's funny you said that. It's like I saw, like I think it was this past summer that they're starting to. You know how they do the backyard, you know, movie theaters now. Well, they have they have backyard movie theaters while you are inside a swimming pool watching Jaws. And I don't know if I can <laughs> even think about such a thing. You know, as brave as I think I am, I don't know. You're watching your feet in water while you're watching Jaws. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, you, you try and talk yourself off the ledge. Right. <laughs> I mean. I'm in a friggin' pool for heaven's sake. It's not there's not going to be a shark that's going to come get me here. But right. then you go to like I I went, went to Kauai and was doing some uh, uh, snorkeling on right. a place called the um, the caverns I think. Okay. It was. And it was in the northern part of the island, and there had all these holes in oh. in the in the coral. Okay. You couldn't see down into the holes. Right. And so as you're snorkeling along and you're going. So <laughs> what if there is something underneath there and, and, so, and you can scare the hell out of yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and that was like 30 years after I saw the movie. It doesn't take much to, to, to tap into that human, uh, human fear that you have. It's like, it's really within arm's link of all of us on any given moment, really. It, it really is. So as you're writing and are you cognizant of the fact that you want to keep it in a certain, in a certain lane, if you will, and not go too dark and not, and stuff. And do you employ humor at all? in, in um, Yeah. I mean, uh, in the absurd way, it's not out and out comedy. I think the, I, th I always think that some of the hardest writing you do is, you know, scare someone or, or comedy, those two things, you know, you have to have a particular mindset and skill kind of to set it up, you know, you're setting up a scene like you would in comedy and you're doing the same thing with something, you know, scary, you know, you have to put the, the reader in the mind of, of where they're at, their setting and, in, 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 you know, what kind of danger is coming and, you know, you know, you put yourself in the every man category or every woman category and say, you know, what would happen, you know, if I was in that same situation? Oh, oh yeah. By the way, we're talking with Jerry Roth and if you've got a question for him, or if you'd like to make a comment, you can feel free to put it into the chat or into the comments, and I'll show it to him, and we'll and we'll talk about it. So you're certainly welcome to do that if you'd like. Um, and he's got the book that he has out this week, and it, it's called Throwing Shadows. 
I had to do that. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> and uh, and it's a, a collection of stories, mm-hmm. and it's it's like one of those. What was it? It was um, uh, the Twilight Zone, the movie. Right. That, that, that was is, great. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I just ate up all those, you know, you know, something about being a kid and your attention span, you know, it doesn't go away. There are some people who read books now and they're like, their attention spans are not that long. Even when I like, even my other books that are so much longer, just going through the drafts 10 times and rereading. And I'm like, I don't know how people are doing this. I, I, you know, this is crazy. So there's something to be said about short stories where you you throw people right in the middle of the action you try to scare their pants off and then you get out and go right to the next one so it's great for uh people who don't want to commit to you know long form well and and if it's shorter then it's over faster too right yeah if you're you're scared to death you it's gonna be over um um so but you enjoy this particular style of writing uh, more than the others is that is that why you do it do you think or is it just kind of just kind of how it presents in your head you mean the horror in general yeah yeah i mean i i think it goes back to when i was a child my parents would always watch i mean frightening movies and they you know it was a different time different generation and they didn't mind letting us young kids watch it with them and i spent most of my time like looking through my fingers at the different different scary movies that were presented to me and something about that kind of stuck with me. And I wanted to kind of, uh, impart that kind of fear. I mean, I was exhilarated, but I was also frightened and you know, you're, when you're scared, but you're in a safe place. Uh, those are the two best co- you know, combinations you can have to give somebody, especially a book. Oh, oh yeah. I, I was, I talked to you last time as we were preparing yeah. for this interview about this new movie that's out. Yeah. And it is, it's gone over the edge. It is, <laughs> it is so frightening that people are throwing up in the theater. They're, right. they're running out and their popcorn is going everywhere and all of that. That's, that is, is that what they were going for? Do you think? Yeah, I think they have to ramp it up. I mean, I think you're, you're trying to, you're trying to give somebody go, you're always trying to get to the next level. And for me, like if, when I always think back to all the, the scary movies that I've ever watched, the Exorcist to me is always going to be number one. There's nothing more frightening to me than a, a little girl possessed by a demon. You know, that's like you. What? Where else could you go besides that? Oh, and I was going to mention The Exorcist because that's that's one that my children won't even watch. Oh no, no I, I I've been slowly like letting my kids watch a little bit scarier movies, a little bit scarier movies, you know, but uh, I don't think, I think they'd be out of the house before we watch that together. I don't, I don't know. That's uh that was a tough one. Yes. And then you know, like poltergeist was not as bad as, as that because it wasn't, you know, being, being possessed by the devil is, is kind of a bad thing yeah, um, and stuff. And, and she was, <laughs> Yeah, and she did an amazing job. I mean, she was she was terrifying. I'm sorry, and there was no, not many film characters have ever done as well as that little girl did. So yeah, my, kudos to her. I was in high school when that movie came out, oh, and the and the lunch uh, lady one time served pea soup. Um, <laughs> And of course, if you've seen that movie, then yeah. she projectile vomits at one point and it looks just like pea soup. Okay. And so nobody had pea soup that day. 
Or if you know, if you're at a really bad school, everybody's pretending to be throwing them up everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, and, uh, um, the book is doing well and it came out. How long did it take you to write this one? Um, this one is actually a labor of love. This one is a span of about 25 years. So, uh, I, I have nine stories. Um, I wrote a a couple that are brand new for the book, but a lot of them I've wrote over the, over the span of my life and, and jotting down ideas and, and writing the very first one came from my very first college class in English class. They asked me to write a story. It was one of those creative writing classes. And I put uh, Ice Cream Man down in there. It was, and it became part of the collection, which is strange that, you know, I never would have thought looking back in college, my first day of school, that it would end up in a published book. But there it is. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I interviewed a author a couple of weeks ago. Right. And, and she said, you know, my, my uh, creative writing teacher told me that I should go get a job because I'll never be a writer. <laughs> you know what? My um, my my counselor did that in high school too. So oh, great. <laughs> wherever she is out there, um, thank you. You kind of motivated me to, I guess, stop being lazy in school and get it together. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that you did not take their advice. <laughs> well, I wasn't ready to do a full time job in high school anyway, so it, I would have just lived with my parents longer. And either way. But, but you see, it takes a certain type of individual to be, because I'm assuming you're working as well. Right, and, yeah. And so you've got a full-time job, and if you've got a family and, and all of that, it, it must be hard to come up with the time to be able to sit down and write it. Um, or do you have a, do you have like a schedule that you work out? Well, if I'm good, if I'm a good writer, um, I set out usually two hours a day, and it's usually at night when it's dark and no one's around. Um, but, you know family and jobs and everything they seem to be encroaching lately so you have to sort of you know after a while you set up a time to say listen all right this is my time don't bother me so i haven't done that i've been kind of lazy about that for the last couple you know every time you put a new book out all of your time is is kind of driven towards you know the promotion and getting it out there and doing the marketing so um i'm going back i'm i'm, I'm a third away through my new book so i'm going back into writing i gotta i gotta get back into my next book is that because of that is your passion and that that you feel like you're not complete if you're not writing? Well, you know, in a way, it's almost like therapy. Everybody says that. And unless you are a writer, you don't really believe it. But you get a, you, you exercise a lot of demons just by writing. And, you know, you can say what you want. You can feel what you want. And and it's, you feel cathartic at the end of a writing session. There's never a time where you don't put a thousand words on, on a page and you further your manuscript that you don't feel like you've really accomplished something. I think you can't get that from anything else. Now, do you write via computer or do you handwrite? Um, I, I have done typewriters. Yeah. I, I kind of go back and forth. I've done typewriters in the past, but man, it's just that you have to just rewrite it all again. I don't have a fancy editor that would be willing to, uh, you know, transcribe a whole thing of on paper onto onto a word processor or a computer for me. So I, I use the computer now. And do you find that it's easier with spell check and with uh, all of that stuff that it, it, that the editing is less? Well, I mean, the editing is less for sure, but you know, you're distracted as a writer by the little, you know, the little red line that comes up, you know, and, and it doesn't mean that you were wrong by putting that there, but it, it distracts you. 
you know so i almost have to turn everything off all of the the spell checks everything and just put it down on paper and, and think that i'm doing everything 100 percent right because you could sit around and fix and self-edit you know the whole session you're writing and you'll just be you know dragging your wheels trying to get you know something on the paper so i try to not do that anymore do you ever write something and then look at it later and and read it again and say boy that really sucks <laughs> i've done both i you know i i've i've written things and said man you're so great but you know those times are few and far between compared to the you know the ones you're like yeah that needs some work what was i thinking <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's a positive way of looking at it rather than saying, boy, this really sucks. So, you know, that's it's it needs work, but it's got potential and it's got legs. Right. And, yeah. and stuff. So this book that's coming out, you know, mm -hmm. that just came out, uh, right. Throwing Shadows, is a 25 years in the making story. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess I guess any writer who puts out an anthology or a collection, they're probably doing the same thing. I doubt that, you know, that they're. I mean, there are some people who just like short stories and they'll write them and they'll make their anthologies. But um, it's it's really it's really one of those things where you have different kind of stories in your mind. You have long forms, you have shorter ones, um, and you really can't you really can't decide the creativity of it. Like a short story is always going to be a short story. You can you can add to it. You can try to enhance it. But it's gonna it's gonna fall flat because it's meant to be a short story, at least in my mind. Have you thought about coaching or teaching other people to to learn to write? You know, I I I try to teach my kids. They have they have they already have a knack for writing, and they're really good at it. But they don't want to do it. They don't want to do what their parents do. So I see the talent in them. Uh, my daughter, for instance, is like the most creative person. She has better story ideas than I do. And my son, he's an amazing writer. He's his first. He's he's a uh, going into the eighth grade, and he's already starting college. So he's writing his first English classes now, and he's an amazing writer. But he doesn't want to do that for a living. So uh, I I think I'm better at maybe like being a role model than I am kind of a teacher to them. Well, and I'll tell you, if if your kids are anything like my kids, it's like yeah. I keep on saying, you know, maybe you should come with me on the podcast and we can do things. Yeah. No, Dad, I ain't doing that. That's that's stupid. Absolutely, you know, you you almost got to do the opposite. Tell them not to do something, then maybe they'll want to. I don't know. They're solid psychology. <laughs> that's that's right so you got an eighth grader and your younger one is what grade is she uh, in? i have one who's 12 and i have one who's 14 so my daughter is 12 oh boy yeah. welcome to the world of teenagers it's rough man it's so <laughs> rough you know uh, i mean i luckily i have an office that i just sort of you know, i crawl into in the morning do my work and 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 then go and then come out and break up some fights later on in the night so <laughs> apparently yeah, you know my um, my cousin actually said it best. I heard him, I heard him say, you know, my son turned turned thirteen. He went to bed one night, rolled right. over on his side, and his brains fell out of his head. And, <laughs> and yeah. I've been dealing with that ever since. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't blame him. I can't imagine being a teenager during this time in the era, you know, the post pandemic era. I I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I wouldn't know who to be or. Or, you know, it's it's very strange time where, you know, everybody's sort of questioning who they are, what they how they feel, what they mean to the world. And uh, 
you know, it's easy to say I came from a simpler time where, you know, things were a little bit more cut dry. Maybe they weren't as what we thought they were, but at least we believe they were. So. Yeah. And then we had movies like Carrie where she was being bullied and then she right. just, she, she got back at them in a big way. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's great to see that even back then there were stories where, you know, people could get redemption nowadays. I mean, bullying is terrible and I'm glad that that society really starts to understand it, you know, and try to help people because, you know, you know, I remember growing up, people were bullied all the time and it just wasn't talked about. You know, you went home and you didn't say anything to your parents. You know, it was a part of your life. It was part of the, the fabric of your world. You know, the bigger kids were going to pick on the smaller kids. It was just a given, you know, and it made you stronger in some ways. And, it, and but, you know, nowadays we we realize that we need to protect the people. So I'm glad that things are starting to turn around. I am, I am too. And you mentioned uh, Shanti earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she and her twin sister were bullied when they were in middle school, and okay. and she has become a real strong advocate for anti-bullying programs, and I think that's awesome. I think it's great. You know, things are starting to turn around. I mean, you know, I think I think everybody's having such a tough time because there's so much in the last you know even five years there has been so much change in our society, and change is hard for everybody. But you know, with every change that we think is bad there are a lot of really good changes that are happening so it's always good to you know just kind of you know ignore the things that push your buttons and be happy that there are things that are getting better well and since you've got a couple of teenagers i assume they each have a smartphone right and and of course you know people that say you know they're just kids they don't need a smartphone i disagree with that yeah uh, because i think that you need to be able to get in contact with your child at all times Absolutely. And it's always the conversation I have with my wife, even, you know, uh, is like we can protect them from everything. But, you know, in a way we're going to be shielding them from their own, you know, their own era, their own, you know, they're not going to fit in when they get out of the house if they don't have these things that everybody else does. So it's a double edged sword. I we gave our our kids cell phones late in the game like more recently like this past year just so we can give them a little fighting chance against you know social media and who they are and but uh there's never any right answer for it i can't imagine what it would be like and 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 you are living it because you've got a couple of teenagers what it's like when when they get called out on social media or there there's a a thing going on in the school or whatever and they're that must be horrible yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think luckily since the pandemic, we we've been homeschooling our children, so they don't really have that kind of, uh, you know, almost that the fabric of uh, people around them kind of kind of getting in their heads. So it's a little different for us, but I can't imagine, you know, the stress and and what it would take to just to navigate your normal life with with cameras around you all of your life. It would be tough. Oh yeah, and uh, when when I was growing up, we used to have fire alarms. Now they've got <laughs> intruder alert alarms where they you hide under your desk or you you know. It, I just I just can't imagine. I, no, it, it, it makes it tough. It's tough, you know. But homeschooling is good. And yeah. uh, now, do you do you have a degree? Yeah, I actually got my English degree and I got a marketing degree. Just uh, I wanted to be able to market my books a bit, so. I got my master's in marketing and my uh, bachelor in English. I took as many English classes as I could. I kind of, you know, 
all the all the classic books that they they give to you in college. I wanted that experience, so um, I did that. And I think I'm. I think I feel like I don't think I would have changed me as a writer, but it changed my maybe my outlook about how books are presented. Have you have you thought about being a marketer because you've got a master's degree in marketing to <laughs> opening up a marketing? Because I can tell you this, that there are lots of really, really talented writers right. who, who really suck at marketing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a hard business. It really is. Even with a marketing degree, sometimes I'm like, I feel helpless just because, you know, you a lot of times I think it's the way just the way the music business is going. People want to just, you know, artists want to just give their stuff away. They just want they want their their creation in people's hands. And it's not even about money, really, at this point for a lot of people. They're just like, you know, here's what I created. I want to share it with you. You know, obviously you can't do that. You can't make a living at that. But, you know, that's the feeling that you get when you write something or you create anything, really. Well, and that's that's why I always say because I, I do interview quite a few musicians, right? And I always say, please buy their music, don't yeah. just stream it. Absolutely, they, they make nothing if you stream it and if you buy it. And it, I mean, we're talking about a buck and a quarter or something like that. Right. Yeah, so it doesn't cost you a lot to buy it, but but support the musicians, support the authors. Speaking right. of which, if somebody wants to buy your latest book, Throwing Shadows, how can they? Is it on Amazon and everywhere? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my publisher is Bridget's Gate Press. You can get on their website or you can get on Amazon. It's on available there or my website, uh, jerryrothauthor.com. Um, many ways to buy it. And um, yeah, I think it's one of those books that if you this is the perfect time of the year to be reading it right before Christmas, right at the spooky time where you want to just, you know, dig into something a little bit more spooky and creepy. This would be the one for you. Right before Halloween, this is the time to get this book. Absolutely. And then instead of handing out candy, you can just turn out all the lights, go into your bedroom, and get scared of yourself to death. <laughs> well, well, last year we, me and a family, we did a, uh, I, we did it for. They invited uh, me as a as a local writer. They invited me to do a trunk or treat and dress up and pass out candy. So as a family, we we dressed up as the Adams family. <laughs> absolutely and i gave out candy and bookmarks of my book so hopefully no kids have read it but only only their parents <laughs> oh that's 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 really cool my my son one time uh for halloween he uh put a chair in the front porch mm -hmm. and he and he uh put a, a black suit on himself and covered his face oh, and sat man. there like a mannequin yeah with a, with a bowl of candy right in his lap oh that's great and so the kids had to come up and they had, and, and the, the look on some of them, they were like, is this real? Is this fake? And, and then if they, if some cavalier kid came up and said, oh, that's just fake. And then he would reach out with his hands and grab them when they were grabbing the candy. Right. Oh, some of the screams that come out of people. It's pretty amazing. Oh, that's great. Yeah, those, that's the best. I, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to do all the, the haunted houses. There's nothing like that feeling of being unsuspected and then frightened when you don't even think it's happening. It's going to happen. Yeah, when you when you get to put your hand in something that you don't know what it is and they tell you it's brains and it kind of <laughs> looks like, you know, it's kind of like, hey, right. hey. Yeah, so I don't do Absolutely. those anymore. I, I'm old now. I'd probably pee my pants. <laughs> 
You know, so, so Jerry, tell tell our audience, uh, the folks that are listening now, and the ones that will be listening later. I would really like you to to kind of open up and and tell us anything that you would like them to know about the work that you do, about what your motivation is, your passion, all that stuff. Well, I think you know, I only thing that I really would like to say is that you know, I I cherish my readers, and I, I love that people will take the time and the effort to buy my books and to review them. Uh, there is, I mean, like nothing touches my heart more because I, I put a lot of effort and a lot of love into my books, even though they're scary. Um, and and I, I want to like really kind of give something back to them. So every time that I get any kind of message from someone say, oh, I love your book, or I couldn't sleep at night, or I had to take it off of my dresser because I, would, I didn't <laughs> want to see it. Uh, that means more to me than anything else. I'm just happy that I can kind of share that with the people around me. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. So, so your book may not be found on the back of very many bathrooms. (laughs) I don't, I, you know, it's, I I think it's fine. They're okay. They'll they'll be all right. (laughs) So I really think that, that, uh, you have the talent to be like the next, um, uh, Stephen King. Oh, that's, oh, that's too much. Thank you. I appreciate that. He is, you know, he is, uh, he is my, he's like, to me, the perfect writer, you know, he, his imagination is incredible. Even his sons now, now his sons both are, you know, prolific writers. And, and, and if I could even be even close to what they can do, you know, in the span of the rest of my life, I'd be grateful. Well, you know, it's, what's fun is that, uh, um, one of my favorite movies of all time, the, the name escapes me right now. It'll come to me. Rob Reiner directed it. And okay. it was based upon the body, a short story by Stephen Absolutely. King. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was great. yeah. And it was, uh, I gosh, stand by me, stand by me. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and there was so much meat to that original story that they were able to build out an entire movie around that, around the premise of it. Absolutely. The same with, uh, if you've ever seen the Shawshank Redemption, I mean, oh, you know, yeah. that was, uh, I think it might've been a novella, something shorter than a, a novel. And I mean, think about that movie, how much, how much detail, how much creation and world building is in that or the green mile. I mean, he's done his, some of his best work have nothing to do with horror whatsoever. He's just, he's just a prolific writer. He wrote the green mile. Yeah. I had no, I did not know that. That's a, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. He did the Running Man too. Did you watch that? I did. Okay. So 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 have you thought now that you've been doing novels and stuff and you've got this one out? Have you thought about going back to screenwriting? You know, I see. I I I'll be honest with you. I see a lot of uh, over since the pandemic. It seems that the quality of movies has kind of gone down. I don't, I don't know what it is. Like maybe it could be me, maybe my tastes have changed, but I mean, you know, eight out of 10 movies I watch now, I just, I won't even finish it. I mean, that, I mean, that tells me that I wish that they would maybe not me, but somebody would really step up and say, you know what, we got to put some more heart into these movies, something that's going to last a lifetime. And, you know, a lot, I mean, that's always been, I guess the argument is, you know, main, there's mainstream movies, and then there's a the coffee house movies. There's, there's, but you know, it feels like everything is moving towards the mainstream movies nowadays. 
Well, you, what I enjoyed special effects when it was like when Star Wars first came out. Right. And it, it enhanced the story. Sure. But when the special effects become the story, then and and they don't put enough money or time or effort into the screenplay, right? Um, because it's it's they're spending so much time on the special effects. It's it's to me it's a waste of time. I agree. I I think there's a there's a a shift now with movies that they're going they're purposely going back to practical effects. You know, like they did in Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters. You know, half of that wasn't CGI'd. Uh, even though you think it is, you know, there was practical effects that you make a movie. And I think it, it, you know, there's, I think our eyes are so used to seeing CGI and we've seen so many movies that have CGI is that we're getting hip to it. We see it right away now. You know, it used to be in the old days of Jurassic Park came out, man, which still holds up, but you, you're fooled. You were like, this is incredible. How are they doing this? This magic that they're making. But we're smarter now as audiences, and the more you lean on CGI, the less we're interested, I think. I, I agree with you, because there's a human element that ends up being missing. Right. And it's it's like the, I don't know if you ever watched it, but uh, there was uh, a movie about the war at uh, Gallipoli, the, the 300 Spartans. Oh, yeah, 300. Well, that's the newer one. There was also an older one. Oh, okay. That was the original one that that was based on. And that one was on so much having to do with the human element of what it was like being 300 soldiers that were facing a million people. And then they all ended up being killed. And But because the the 300, there were so many special effects and you had elephants and you had giraffes. And it's like, oh, man, come on. It was a spectacle, you know. Yeah, I, I like it, but it was a spectacle. Yeah, in indeed. In well, I'm 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 more old school. I like you know the the the. Anyway, I guess I'm. I haven't watched very many movies <laughs> <laughs> in the past two thousand. I'm trying to get better at it, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a watch party. You and me, we'll watch we'll watch a movie and we'll bring you back into it into the fold. If it's a horror movie, I may end up on your lap. <laughs> Because they scare me, and uh, um, but you know, but even like what was it, Hannibal? Yeah. Um, that that one was more. You never saw him actually eat anybody. I don't recall. Right. Yeah. But it was a very scary movie at the same time. Right. I think the best movies are the ones that they talk about what happened than what happened. You know, it's kind of yeah. like Star Wars. All the mythology. When you saw the first Star Wars. And then when they told those stories and mythology with the, you know, the prequels, then you, it kind of lost its, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it wasn't as great. You wanted to, you wanted some mystery, something you couldn't see or feel or touch, but you thought about. Exactly. And, and uh, it, it made it tough. It made it tough. By the way, we've been talking with uh, Jerry Roth. He is an author. He's a screenwriter and he's got a new book out. It's called Throwing Shadows, the Dark Collection a dark collection and it's a collection of nine stories and it's it's got something creepy for just about everybody so (laughs) regardless of what your creepy tastes are you can be creeped out by this book yep there's a story for everyone in there so i didn't i tried to be i tried to use the stories that would kind of fit well together but kind of if it be scary but different genres because i know that the, the hardest thing to get reviewed is collections and anthologies you know, if you're if you're reviewing somebody and you're giving them five stars, you know, if you find two stories out of them you don't like, you've already lost 
the battle. So I understand that people want perfection in, in collections. And that's why I tried my best to at least give people as close to, you know, a perfect book that I could give. And I think that you've accomplished it here. And then you're doing, you're doing what you love and you're following your passion. And uh, by the <laughs> way, I have to ask you though, though when you, when your 14 year old goes to somebody's house and says, what does your dad do for a living? Oh, he writes horror movie or books. <laughs> <laughs> How does that go over with the neighbors? Um, you know, there's, there's always that, they're always that, like, they're really surprised and then they're, they're intrigued. They're like, Oh, I wonder what their home life is like. And it didn't, and it doesn't help that I bought a 1908 Catholic church to live in. So <laughs> that's right. You know, we did talk, we did talk about so the church. A horror writer, you know, that my neighbor asked me, they said, you know, they saw me in a paper, in a local paper. And then people talked about my first book, Bottom Feeders, about the devil who's yeah. in it. And he, you know, I, I met him for the first time and he seemed like a super nice guy. And he says, so let me get this straight. You are a, uh, a horror writer who writes about the devil who bought a Catholic church. You think that's a good idea? And I honestly said, no, it's not a good idea. <laughs> now today, uh, now I know that the uh, church has been refurbished and it's, it's now a home. It's just, it looks like sure. a church from the outside. Absolutely. So, so you don't have any uh, confessional booths that are still in there? No, no, just my office. Yeah. You could just put your 14 year old in a confessional booth and you'll <laughs> find out more about life than you really want to know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, by and by the way, I gotta ask you because you've done a bunch of these this week. You've done like sure. ten podcasts this week. How did how you know like uh, how um, um how did we do? Listen, you were the most engaging I've ever seen, um, and thank you for that. You know, uh, I I love just be able to like it feels like time has just flown by. I could probably sit and talk to you and maybe have a beer with you right now afterwards and, and keep the conversation going. I love that. Um, I, I'll give you my address, but if, by the time you get here, the right. beer will be warm. Hey, I, I'll make it. Because yeah. <laughs> where where is your, your church or your house? Uh, Ohio. Oh, uh, that would be a while. That would be a while. <laughs> so you live in California or Seattle. Yeah, I, I Seattle. live in Seattle. Seattle, sorry. Uh, but I have a friend who lives in California. Uh, another author, Solomon Petchers, and he's so you guys, do you guys, did you share the same climate, Seattle, California? Not really. We're a lot colder than they are, generally oh. speaking, although this year has been really weird. Okay. It's been, we we broke the number of days that are 90 plus uh, all time, and uh, we had the fewest rain in the summer that we've ever had. Uh, not that there's global warming or anything, but I don't want to go there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't open that can of worms. Yes, but uh, um, it it would be great fun if you ever get out this way. I'd love to. I'd love to uh, uh, have a beer with you. Absolutely. Yeah, and by the way, if you're if you caught some of this show, but not all of it, we he's going to be on KKNW eleven fifty a.m. tomorrow at noon Pacific time. So Absolutely. you can redo this then, and then he's going to have. Uh, he's going to be on YouTube. He's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. He'll be on all the major. Uh, um, podcast channels and all that kind of stuff down the road so that you can you can go back and you can listen to this episode i have been thoroughly entertained i hope somebody else has been too well i appreciate you having me on you're amazing and i hope that you even after tomorrow when i'm doing your radio show that you'll consider having me back on we can chat some more 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're one of those guys. Well, it's like, I, I've got a good friend. He's become a good friend through the show. Right. His name is Tommy Tika and he is a musician in Finland. Okay. And so there are, there are people that, that I, I genuinely just as human beings, like what yeah. you're doing and like who you are. And you're one of those. So oh, man, thank you. I appreciate that. It's it's I have more fun doing this. Yeah, I got to tell you, you'd love doing a podcast because this is more fun than I'm allowed than a human should be allowed to have. I know I'm jealous. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're scaring the pants off of people. Yeah, I want to be in Seattle doing a show. I need that. That's cool. Well, you're going to be on the show tomorrow at noon and that okay. it'll be broadcast all throughout Seattle. So. All right. So. I can't wait to meet everybody. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? No, I just want to say thank you to everyone out there who who constantly watches me bombard your airwaves with all these promos and trying to sell my book. And if you are interested in a little book that scares you, please pick up Throwing Shadows, a Dark Collection um, from Bridget's Gate Press. And it's available now. And uh, I and if somebody that you know that wants to be scared, please feel free to pick it up or, or visit my website jerryrothauthor.com and who knows maybe in the future i'll sign a few for you so thank you a lot we'll call them we'll call your books thoroughly engaging okay because you 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 can't put them down when you're in the middle of one of the stories because you want to find out what the hell's going to happen and how what what poor thing what poor thing is going to happen to this (laughs) who's getting tortured next exactly and by the way let's hide behind the chainsaws Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that commercial. And at the very end of it, did you catch the very end of it when they said, he rolls oh. his eyes. I love it when the, the, the serial killer rolls his eyes at the, at the dumb teenagers. And then, they start, then they start running again. And say, Let's go to the cemetery. <laughs> and I grew up when I was little, we lived next to a cemetery. Oh man. In, in in fact, uh, there was a crematorium there, and uh, then occasionally there would be smoke coming out of the, and it would scare all of us because it's like, so they're burning somebody in there. Kevin, you got a book in you. I can see it right now. <laughs> I I have got some stories. I do have to say, <laughs> but it's been it's Jerry. It's been really a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to uh, hanging out with you tomorrow on KKNW and. And congratulations on your book. I hope it sells a million copies. I thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you tomorrow. It'll be fun. So, by the way, it's time for dinner for you and the kids and all that kind of stuff. So so you have an oven in the church. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got all the utilities here. We're, we're, We're stepping up. Now, now, is it also because churches tend to be drafty? Is it also kind of drafty or is it has it been... We have cathedral ceilings, and and you you know we're heating the the useless space up there all the time. So we're, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you can't really control it. You just gotta live with it. Now, I, before I, before we go, I gotta ask. Sure. Um, did because um, obviously you're married. Yes. Yeah. What did your wife think when you when you brought her over to look at the church that is now a house? Did she... <laughs> you know what? I could blame it on her, but she liked it as much as I did. So, yeah, we fell in love with the place right away. It had so much character. You know, it was built 114 years ago. You can't really you can't find anything else out there like it. Um, we do have the occasional bat because it is a church and. You know, so that's one thing she doesn't like. Every once in a while, maybe once a year, a little bat will come in and scare the 
you know, scare her to death. But other than that, we love it. As long as the bat doesn't turn into a human, though you're that's okay. True. We're waiting for that. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> in your next book. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, thank you very much. I'll see you tomorrow on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. And I want to thank everybody for listening. By the way, you got four thumbs up in the in, since we've been doing this. So congratulations. Woo-hoo! Thank you. Yeah, so it's it's been a great episode, and I've enjoyed it thoroughly, and and I and I mean it sincerely. I wish, I hope that you um, sell a million copies, and that one of your books gets picked up for a screenplay, and then I can say I knew him when. <laughs> and I'll do your show then too. So I, don't worry, you, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> So, so thank you so much. And if you'll wait right there, I got to do this and I'll be right back. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.